Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? There's so much to celebrate in the world if we take the time to do so. But the one thing that brings us all together and we can celebrate all the time is great music. And that's what today's show is about. I want to take you back about 20 years ago. I was walking along 46th Street between 8th and 9th Avenues. And I was around uh, 343 West 46th Street. And I heard this explosion. Well, that explosion happened to be the Jenny Burton experience. And just as quickly as that explosion took over, at least for me, it seemed to go away. Uh, much to the chagrin of those of us in the cabaret world uh, who absolutely loved Jenny's music. But I'm proud to say she is back. She is back with such a vengeance. And to help her come back is, of course, Peter Link, uh, amazing producer. She has a new album out called Something Old, Something uh, something Old, New, Borrowed, and Blue. And we're going to talk about all of this today. It is amazing. I've uh, downloaded it, and I can't get enough of it. So mm -hmm. I want to, first of all, welcome both of you to the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. It is so good to have you back. So first of all, how does it feel to be in a studio again, recording after, I think, was it 17 years that you walked away from this industry? You know, it was not so much a walk away as it was um, needing to just survive um, the show. Uh, Jenny Burton Experience had closed and I needed to find another um, source of income. So when Peter asked me to do this album, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I had to get ready for it. Um, it was challenging, but I have to say it was the best thing I could do at this time in my life. Good for you. Uh, well, it's, you know, uh, Al, I mean, perceptions are everything and it's all about perception. Uh, from those of us who were observing Jenny Burton and the Jenny Burton experience, you seem to be on top of the world as far as your craft, uh, the what you were putting out into the world, the art, everything. Um, and, you know, was it because of the uh, financial aspect of this business? Because it's tough to do what we do in this business. Uh, and it's hard to sustain a living in this business. Uh, were those the reasons that you felt that you needed to step away? Pretty much. Um, we had come to uh, the end of a run which we all do in our various uh, forms of, you know, ways of performing. And I had to look at surviving. And so I've always looked at reality. So I went and did what I had to do to survive. Um, JBX was probably a highlight, one of the biggest highlights of my life and, with, and working with Peter and that group. And it's always sad when something like that that's working has its final curtain call, so to speak. But when that happens, you have to look and say, okay, this is the reality right now. What do I have to do to survive to another day? Which is what I did. And what do you think, Pete? Well, uh, you had a 10-year run with it. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> At every, every Thursday night, it was sold out for 10 years. That wasn't bad. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And like I said, I wasn't joking. I mean, it was a happening. I mean, it was packed. It was always exciting to be there. Um, when you 
walked oh, oh when you said okay this is it this is the end of the run with this did you feel that it was indeed the end of the run or did you feel i will be back you know i i don't know if i thought about it that way i just knew i had to do the next thing to survive and i certainly didn't think about it in terms of a 17 year away mm -hmm. time um and and during that time i did do some peter and i did some projects that weren't an entire album um, he created um, a, a music podcast called Rosemary and Time. I was a part of that. And we did a few other individual kind of um, projects, but they weren't this. You know. So the th problem with being away that long is that you don't know if that part of you is like dying inside. And so what happened with this album was I realized that my being away that long did have its effect. But when Peter said, we're going to do this, because we talked about it for a while, and he said, okay, this is the date we're starting. So you better get to singing, because we're <laughs> going to do it. And the thing about working with Peter is once he decides a thing is going to happen, that is, it's going to happen. So you better get ready to get on board. Mm -hmm. So I decided I needed to get on board. So I never thought that I wouldn't come back to it, but I didn't know how or when. But that's the wonderful thing about a providence and about what path you're supposed to be on when it just kind of does this to you. You know, go down this road, not that one. And that's the road you need to be on right now. So just get ready and go do it. And, and that's what I had to do in this instance. Other than that, this would not have happened if Peter had not said, we need to do this because, and always because he's had an amazing deep well of belief in my talent. That's for uh, sure. <laughs> uh, Peter, I'm going to get to you in just a second, but Jenny, I want to ask you before I move on to uh, Peter, um, were you aware uh, of how much we were missing you in Cabaret? I mean, were you hearing from other people about how much we missed you on that stage? Sometimes um, because I was getting up and going to a job every day, it was like I wasn't in, even in Manhattan Plaza, there are artists that live here and there's a way they live here. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even in that because I was up at seven, at work at 7.30 and coming home at six, right? So mm -hmm. I didn't run it and occasionally I would run into people and they would say that to me and it was probably what kept that part of me alive to the degree that it was so that I could say yes to this, you know? That's great. Peter, I want to go back in time uh, with you. Uh, do you recall the first time that you heard Jenny sing? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This yes. is your life, Jenny Burton. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was, I was married to Marta Heflin at the time. And, and we, we, would, we would do Reno Sweeney. Uh, uh, several times a month with with Marta and I and a, and a little band, and but one night I was just there as a as a patron, uh, seeing Chapman Roberts do uh, his thing, wow. and and I I I don't drink, but I had drunk that night, <laughs> and and uh, so Chapman was up there doing his thing, and at one point he says, "I want to introduce everybody to." A new singer that I've found. Come on up here, Jenny. And Jenny comes out of the audience, and she sings James Taylor's "Fire and Rain." 
And I was, by the end of the song, I had stood up and I stood up on the table. I was cheering, standing up on the table. And that's how we, that's how we met, although she didn't, she didn't pay much attention to me. I paid a lot of attention to her. Well, good for you. <laughs> um, and, but I, she didn't pay a, a lot of attention to you at first, uh, but eventually that changed. Yes. Uh, Jenny, what was the turning point for you? I mean, for me in this business, uh, as I, I, I love being in front of an audience. I love performing, but there is nothing, and I'm sure you both will agree with me on this, there is nothing that can replace the collaborative process. Mm -hmm. And when you get great collaborators in this business, you've hit pay dirt. Yes. Uh, yes. So what was the turning point for you? For with Peter? Uh, yes. Um, Peter had, again, learned of a show that Chapman was doing with a singer. And I don't think he completely remembered my name. So he went to that show with a group of people thinking he was going to see me. So I went to that show as well, and I was sitting down the row from him, and he realized it wasn't me. So what he, then he did, he was about to do a musical up in Milwaukee rep called Island. So he had his assistant call me and, and ask me to come audition. I had not been auditioning. I'd never been away. I'd never gone out of the city to do anything. Right at that time in my life. So mm -hmm. I went I went up in the elevator with Peter and my manager. I didn't know it was him. And I auditioned and he hired me on the spot. And, and I have to say that that was in in having sat through 20,000 auditions, li literally wow. in my life. She was the only person I ever hired right there at the audition. Wow. OK, you knew. So, right. I knew I knew. I probably yeah. did Fire and Rain again and something else. So he hired me to go to the Milwaukee Rep four character musical called Island. Um, and I'd never been away from home. I probably hadn't even been on a stage because one day I was on stage and one of the actors said, stay in your own lane. I was all over the place. But I was, I, I had that experience. And during that time is when uh, Peter and I, uh, that was a turning point for me. That was the beginning of our working life. Yeah. Um, and together and and that was that blew my mind in terms of being in something I'd never done before being away from home for nine weeks and by the time I got home I was living in my third foster home by then when I got home I said to my mom guess who's coming to dinner <laughs> <laughs> I love it Jenny you know uh, the fact that this uh, actress, the singer, said to you, stay in your own lane. Um, I'm sure that she didn't mean that in a nice way. <laughs> but it's great when in this business when you can find your own lane. When yes. did you find your own lane? And was that helpful information that she was giving you at the time? Well, even today, when I'm in the pool, when I'm in a pool class or in a dance class, I'm reminded to stay in my space, okay? And I respect that. Uh, and um, so, yes, it was helpful. It was one of those tangs that you get, one of those things you get, you're like, oh my God, I'm sorry, moments. But it taught me that for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I've never had a problem sharing the stage with anybody, ever. 
But I did have to learn that if I was in a group that wasn't me, the front person, that I had to keep my own space and allow them to have theirs. And so I think my, I had, I'd gotten into the recording business, well, probably later, but my connection with Peter was the beginning, I think, of me being tutored, mentored, and me starting the career that I've had since then. Um, I did do the records that I did um, because I had hoped that I would succeed um, differently in the record business than I did. But I don't have any regret because my career has been so full. Every time we didn't go down the road we expected, we created a new one. When I left Atlantic, Peter and I did industrials for the Fortune 500 companies for 10 years, very successfully. You know, and then Peter, we're on a drive. Peter said, I got this idea. Let's couple you and me together and go do the Jenny Burton experience. And that took up 10 years, you know, and I've gone off and done other things. But this has been the main road for me and working with him because one, I can trust him. I trust his word. I trust his work ethic. He's taught me a work ethic. I remember one time when we first met, I was 45 minutes late for a session. He told the musicians, give me a minute, took me into the studio. He said, I will not work with you if you're late. He said, it's the most passive aggressive thing you can do to have us all waiting here. I've never been late again. So again, that was another thing. But I needed someone like a Peter who was seasoned like he was to help me start to put a structure around what I was going to do. And I have no, I, ha- I do not regret anything at all. I have to say to that, uh, in that moment uh, when she was late for the session, uh, I didn't just talk to her in the studio. I said to the engineer, turn off all the mics. I'm going into the vocal booth with Jenny. <laughs> and, then, and then I went in and I really jumped down her throat and said, you may never be late for my session. Absolutely. I'm thinking of it. There's this great scene in A Star is Born with Judy Garland and James Mason. Mm-hmm. where he proposes to her and it's caught on tape. And I can only imagine if, God forbid, the tapes had been on, yeah. everybody had heard this moment. That's the- right. <laughs> but, um, Jenny, when did it first begin for you? I mean, obviously, you had this gift, this talent, uh, before you met Peter, and he took you to other levels in your career. But when did you first discover that you had this gift and that you knew that this was the lane that you were going to stay on and follow a career in this business. You know, I was always, I mentioned to you in our last interview, the interview that I had spent about 18 years in foster care. So during that time, I was always uh, in, with a family that went to church. So I was always in a choir. You get to a point in your life where you have to figure out, okay, what can I do? Because I think I also told you during that time, there was no effort to help me know that. Mm-hmm. And so, like my first song on, on the album, My Every Step, I think that what lives in you and is supposed to happen starts to needle you a little bit or starts to make you aware of it. So throughout my years of singing in the choir, I started, to, I thought, well, okay, well, maybe the singing thing is what I should do. And I have to be honest with you, I've claimed it more by doing it. I don't know that I had a moment where I said, that's what I'm gonna do. Some people, they come into the world, they act 
absolutely know what they're going to do. I had no clue based on how I was raised. But as I've done it, I've understood that it's my soul's work. It's the thing that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so I've claimed that over time. And when I was doing JBX, and when I had the, and, and even when we were doing industrials, because that became very consistent in our lives. When I was doing JBX, and I saw what the writing and what the singing did in the room, and that I had the opportunity to be a part of that, I realized if I can do this, and if I can say these things and sing these things into the hearts of people, then that's how I want to spend my time. But again, not a moment where a light bulb went off. It's been gradual for me. Well, don't you feel that it was you living your authentic self, that this is who you truly are? Yeah, I've gotten to that. I've gotten to that, yes. And that's so, why I said yes to this album, because if if I didn't do this album, that means I wouldn't be singing. I wouldn't be singing. So what what am I doing if I'm not doing that on some level? Right. So whose idea was the Jenny Burton experience? Peter's. Uh, <laughs> how did that come about? Uh, Well, it it was interesting at the time because we were doing industrials and there was just a lot of money in our lives. And uh, uh, one of the great things was, for those who who never saw JBX or heard JBX, JBX was Jenny on stage with nine other singers uh, and a small choir. But that choir wasn't just a bunch of singers. This was the top of the cream of the crop of the New York studio singers. These were people who, when they couldn't do JBX, they were out on the road with Whitney or Mariah, and and these were the top. This was the cream of the crop, and uh, we we were we had done a show in uh, Florida, and we were driving up the coast of Florida, and I said, you know what, this is we had used some of these people. We used three of these people. When whenever I produced. Uh, music for Jenny, there was a gospel quality to her voice always. And so I would bring, I would triple track three singers, which me, which make, gives you nine singers in the studio. So that nine singer quality was a sound that I really liked. So we, we actually hired nine of these people. Each of the people had two understudies because they would go, they would, if they went out on the road, uh, then the understudy would step in, and they were also these great studio singers. And um, so we tried to, I tried to put this together. I, I kept thinking, how am I going to put this together? This is going to cost me a fortune. And uh, so I, pr- I prayed, and I said, uh, and I wrote a song out of this called Faith. Cause, and I figured, uh, well, if you, if you don't have faith, you, nothing happens, but you only have faith when you have nothing else. That's right. Right? So I thought, okay, I'm going to have faith that tomorrow morning when I get up, this is going to happen. So I got up the next morning, and I went, okay, I, I have to make it happen. So I called about 15 people, and I said, I can't pay you, but would you w- be interested in doing this with Jenny and I? And they all said yes. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I want to say, while you were performing at the marina, and I don't even know if you remember this, Jenny. You and I ran into each other on the boardwalk one day because you were at the marina and I was performing at the Taj Mahal. Yes. <laughs> the same yes. Time. yes. 
Yes. Yes. Oh, my yes. goodness. And, and the Johnny Burton Experience was the first gospel group to ever headline in Atlantic City. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. It was quite a different time, you know. That uh, was. Uh, the, uh, uh, you know, speaking of ch time changing and everything, um, and doing the, you haven't stopped in the business. You've no. continued. Mm. Um, over the years, in the trajectory of your career, what are things that you absolutely love that have changed in the industry? And what are things that were in place when you first began that are no longer there that you really miss? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I worked in the theater for about 20 years. That was the start of my career. After I worked as an actor uh, for a little while, I, I did the lead in hair on Broadway, and I did uh, uh, As the World Turns, which I like to call As the Stomach Turns. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Eileen Fulton was on the show just a few weeks ago. Oh, yes. She was my mom. I was I was her son for all that time. Uh, and then I realized one day that I wasn't happy being an actor, that I, I liked being behind the scenes. And I, I was sitting on stage. I wrote a show called Salvation, which was a big hit in New York. And uh, I was they put me into the show as well. I originally directed it down at the Village Gate, but then when it moved uptown, uh, they said you got to go into the show because at that time I was uh, a known entity, so to speak. And um, oh gosh, you know, um, one night I was sitting on stage in Salvation, and somebody else was up there singing, and I th I was thinking to myself, I think I'd rather be home writing songs. So that's what I did. I stopped. I stopped singing. I have to tell one other story, Jenny. I'm sorry to to to, to grab this, but. I was also, we put together a band called Jenny Burton and the Other Brothers. This is before the Jenny Burton experience. And it was a horn band. It was, a, it was like an R&B band. And we were in, uh, where were we, Jenny? In, in, in Stanford, Connecticut, doing a, doing a show. And I was playing the guitar, and I was singing a duet with her. And she was about uh, uh, four yards to the left of me. And it was one of those moments when the lights clear up and you can actually see into the audience, right? And as I was singing away, and I was comfortable, it was my song, I was good at it, and I, all, the whole audience was looking at her. And I looked over at her and I went, wow, the energy was pouring off of her. And, and, and I went, That's, I'll just never be that. And that was the night I went, okay, I, I'm done. I'm done so, performing. All this time, Peter, I mean, how many hints were you uh, dropping or how many requests were you dropping to Jenny, it's time to get back into the studio? And how long? How many times did it take before she finally said yes? It took years. <laughs> it took years. And you know what, what enabled it, strangely enough, was COVID. Wow. Because... She, uh, she she was she was a, a manager at an insurance company on uh, Wall Street, and uh, they they let her go during COVID. Wow! And so she had the time to do it. She had the time to get her instrument back in shape. Jenny, were they aware of what your history was, uh, or did you keep that completely separate? you learned by their behavior whenever you talked about it that they weren't that interested mm -hmm. so i shared it in spurts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i found people that had 
people in the industry. So I would deal, I would share it with those people, but I didn't walk with that because that's not what they had hired me to do. But I did use all of my artistic ability there to, to, uh, to make decisions on my feet, to be creative around everything I did for them. And I, that's why they kept me for 17 years. But when Where, COVID came, I was, an, I was a person that had, you, had to be in the office to do my job as the office manager. And after them keeping me on the salary that I had, they figured out one day, we don't need to pay her this because she ain't doing her jo that job. So my boss calls me. I had an employee under me. And they had kept him on, too. So I called my boss one day and I said, you know, how long are you going to keep him on? Because we were both needing to be in the office. And she said, oh, well, by the way, I need to talk to you, too, because I was concerned for him. And in that moment, she dropped this information that they were going to let me go, which put me into a complete tailspin. I lost so much money when they did that. But again, there was that moment where the universe has got you. You know, and when everything I went through to get back, to get some footing back, I just did it because the biggest instinct I came out of 18 years of foster care with was with was surviving. Mm -hmm. I had to survive what they just done to my financial life. Um, going back to you, Peter, just for a minute, um, Richard had asked you about the things that don't exist now that you miss and the things that have changed in terms of your answer. Ah. Uh. Good point. Yeah. I miss I miss the the old theater in that you had more time to develop things and more opportunities to develop things. You used to be able to take a show out of town, and I think a lot of things fail on Broadway because they don't have that out of town Boston uh, experience to figure out what what's wrong with our show and how are we going to fix it. I think that's that's tough. I'm I'm sad to see that in the in the in the old days, so to speak, we used to find these great books and develop musicals out of these great books, to and then maybe the musical would become a movie. Today, that process is reversed, and I think that's seriously troublesome. That that that. The people who go to see the, the the people who come in from out of town to see Broadway go to the things that they know about from the movies, mm -hmm. and so they're they're going to Spider Man and they're going to things, and so I feel that the 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 growth of uh, creativity on Broadway suffers from that, and and intimate shows as well. You know, yes. I feel the smaller shows. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to. Uh, talk about the uh, the new album. Uh, I still call them albums. Uh, and, it's okay. Uh, yes, and I, I love this. Uh, something old, new, borrowed, blue. Uh, who came up with the title? Jenny. Jenny's a great title comer comer upper with. <laughs> uh, okay. She she she's given me maybe a hundred titles in my life, and she says, "Write this song," and I go, "Okay, put it in a sentence." <laughs> Well, I pulled up a quote here that I'm going to bring on the screen here, um, and uh, here it is. Um, it says, your latest album created in collaboration with composer, producer Peter Link is a heartfelt collection of songs we both love. The title of this album reflects the range of subjects and emotions that we wanted to 
convey old songs made new again uh new songs uh dealing with uh present day issues borrowed songs uh covers uh some great uh, songs here uh, with new approaches and of course blue in creating this most eclectic music experience we looked uh, at many of the issues of the day that have affected uh, our life and it's changed a lot since you put it uh you know on vinyl do they even say vinyl anymore oh yeah they say it it <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and also of course deals in the subject of love and many of its various uh, ramifications. Uh, I love this. And uh, so uh, sitting down and picking the songs that you're going to put on. One of the things that I love about this is something that very few people do anymore. And I encourage everyone watching this either live or later on is to sit down and listen to it from start to finish. Because to me, there is an arc that mm -hmm. covers all of this that's right and, uh, and it's just so great to hear these songs uh done in the order that they are there uh so i would like to know about your process both of you in terms of putting this together go ahead Pete. well we, we, we actually with this album we started off with 70 songs and we we whittled we always did that with albums we whittled it down uh, f uh based on a, no a whole number of things how do they fit together how many ballads there are how many up tempos how many medium drives they are uh what the what the what what do we want to do with this album we decided we wanted to deal with issues issues worldwide issues and we wanted to be able to speak freely about that uh we wanted to take some old songs and make them new again uh, we wanted to take, uh, we wanted to look at, at, at issues that really mean something to us, uh, women's issues. Uh, and uh, so we, we whittled it down. Oh, and, and a lot of those were just titles, right? So, so that was easy to, to, to let go of them. Sometimes a title would strike me and I'd go, let me, let me go write it, right? And we t we'd talk about what it meant but I would write the lyrics, though she she might have come up with the title, and I and I would say, what what does this mean to you? Let's talk about it a little bit, and then I would take that information off and write the song, come back to her, and I would say happily, most of the time she would say, I like it. Uh, so uh, we we talked about doing a duet. I said, go go find out uh, who you want to do the duet with. Surprisingly enough, she came back and she said, I want to do it with you. That's not easy singing on the same song with Jenny Burton. <laughs> so, uh, Jenny, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, um, I think in this in this album, I, I had um, I was involved more than any other project I've done, which I loved. I loved uh, talking down titles with Peter, and if I couldn't put it in a sentence that I could. Uh, that we could really both say, yeah, that makes sense. Then, then we took it off the list. Um, the process for me was to know that I had to get ready vocally. Um, it was wonderful honing what this album was going to be about and coming up with songs that we both believed in. And in some cases, there was a cover that Peter presented to me that he really loved and surprised me, actually. Oh, I get to tell this story. Okay, you, I, I'll let that off. <laughs> 
but um so so uh, so there was a song that excuse me for interrupting <laughs> there was a song i've always loved which is the first time ever i saw your oh, face my god it, one of my favorite tracks one of my favorite songs so i said jenny let's do uh let's do the first time and she said oh god i could never do that roberta nailed that and, and, and Roberta Flack was known to take a song and do it real slow, right? And and that was a great quality she had. And Jenny said, I, I just couldn't do that. We'd have to, and whenever we cover something, I try to make it different. I, I, I stick to what the composer wrote, but I want to do an orchestration that's completely different and find a different way of, of doing it. And, and she said, well, what, how would we make it different? I said, well, we're not going to do it faster, that's for sure. So let's do it slower. And she said, slower than Roberta? I said, yeah. So now you can finish the story, Jenny. So I didn't, the, the phrase I used is, have you lost your mind with regard to that song? But he then went away and wrote uh, and orchestrated and, and wrote the music. And he brought me in and he played it. And I thought, Oh my God, this is so beautiful. The opening mm -hmm. of the song. I said, how did you even hear this? Especially when the horns come in. I'm done when the horns come in every time I hear it. So I said, okay, you made this this beautiful. I'm going to try to do the vocal. So I got away from listening to Roberta doing it. And Peter and I sat down and very often he's, he'll, and the thing about, the thing about first time you'll have to speak to this Peter as he put it in different meters, mm -hmm. rhythmic mm -hmm. meters. And I'm like, and he said to me one day, and I have to reveal some of my, he said, don't, I don't believe you don't know where one is. What's going on? <laughs> well, I'll go, I'll go a step further with you. As an actor, we look at things in beats. And mm. I, you know, and as I was listening to some of these songs, I'm listening to them in the different themes of the stories that are coming along that you're telling with us. Uh, you're a great storyteller, Jenny, by the way. Well, you know, yes. uh, on, on that note, th thank you, right. on that note, Peter was really wonderful at helping me to understand the beats. Okay, because a lot of times, because I don't read music and I haven't studied it technically, when I hear a song, I get a blueprint right at the time I hear it. But Peter helps me to fill in the blueprint. Even with um, Love's Been Rough On Me, he told me things about how to do the beginning of, of the song. And that was helpful to me. So I would take all of that and come home. And besides working vocally, I would sit. The way that I've learned music is always audibly. Mm -hmm. And so I sometimes been afraid to just sit with the lyric. But as I've grown, I've learned you've got to sit with the you've got to sit with these lyrics. You've got to sit with them because it's not just about you going in and singing some words. If you don't understand what you're singing, then you are not going to relay that. And however you relay it, if somebody doesn't agree with it, at least you have to be attached to your understanding of the lyric and what you might want to relay. For me, it's like having a paintbrush. And I choose different colors, and I I go about singing that way too. And when I was doing JBX, whenever um, I had a show every Thursday, I would go into the studio before the show and sing the whole show down. 
And by doing that, sometimes I would hear different things. And as long as I respected what was written, Peter was okay with that if I was going to embellish somewhere. But I'd hear new things. So that's what the lyric does. It gives you all of that, all of that nuance, you know. And so my process was, a, it's a, I'm growing into that too. It, it, you know, and all, the, and all that she's saying about her process, uh, I can say uh, the whole thing in one sentence. I am a student of Sanford Meisner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so the doing is what's the most important yeah. in a song. And what Jenny has a natural ability to do is discover the doing. And if she doesn't discover it, I'll, I'll help her discover it. Yes. And, and by discovering the doing, she, the song appears. Because what, what is music? Music is a pure emotion. And so what is the story? The, the story is the subtext. And what is the subtext? but the doing. So she's always had a, of an ability to just dive in and grab that subtext and go with it. And so that's the way we work. Yeah. yeah. Well, believe it or not, Judy Garland did not read music either. Yeah. <clears throat> Everything that you just described was pretty much her process. Mm -hmm. Mort Lindsay mm -hmm. said that you always had to be on your toes with her. Uh, and he meant that in a very positive way because she lived each song that she sang. And she was living each song according to what she was going through in her life at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, and he was always there to back her up and uh, hold her up. Uh, Peter, I'm reminded of uh, a quote that I heard many years ago from Sammy Kahn. They said, which comes first, uh, the, the lyrics or the music? And he said, the paycheck. <laughs> and, but I, so when you are orchestrating or putting a new song together, um, such as First Time, uh, it's a song that we know, but is, I mean, what is, your, what, again, process uh, in terms of finding a new way of bringing this to new audiences? Well, uh, I actually take an actor's preparation before I write. Uh, if I'm working on a lyric, if I've written a lyric, uh, whether it's my own or whether it's the, I, I, as an actor, I rehearse <coughs> the words. I, I, I do it as a monologue. And, <coughs> excuse me, and in, in the course of doing it as a monologue, you find the ups and downs of the notes. You find the rhythms of it. You find out where you want to put an extra bar. And so if I've done the monologue five or ten times, by the time I sit down at, at the keyboard, uh, it just comes out. But, but, the, but, the, but some, some composers write with, their, I call it writing with your fingers. They write pretty melodies and then stick, it, stick the melody on some words. Uh, I, I, I can't write that way. I, I have to. I have to understand the subtext of the song because the subtext equals the emotion, and the emotion equals the melody and the chords, especially. The I think the chords are almost more important than the melody. Sometimes, it's the chords that make the melody beautiful. Because you can take the simplest little line. I mean, I mean, who who can take who can write a new song? And you can't write a new song anymore. 
they've all been written. All those melodies have been written. But finding the right movement, the right rhythms of that, is, that's, that's, that's the key. And that's, that's where I discover it. I discover it in the monologue. Interesting. And I didn't even know you did that, Peter. You didn't know I did that? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter, it, you know, uh, it, is marketing and promoting, uh, getting the word out about uh, the music uh, easier in today's world of social media? Uh, or is it very different? I know we're dealing with issues with streaming and people are not going into one of my favorite stores was the Colony. Me too. I was going into Tower Records. Yeah. Uh, going through the record bins. There was nothing like it. Uh, and we don't have that anymore. No. Uh, how do you get the your music out to a wider audience in today's world? It's tough. It's just very tough. Uh, we do everything through the internet. We don't do anything uh, outside of the internet because uh, my company, Watchfire Music, is an internet company. And so, uh, but in, in, in this particular case, uh, we Spotify is is uh, is fundamental in getting your music out there. I mean, there's nothing more fundamental than Spotify because they're the biggest. They're they're the, they're radio. What radio used to be, right? And so, uh, in terms of the the streaming on Spotify is so important that you have to figure it out. So and it's it's tough. It's tough. So. We went on uh, line, and and uh, my my wife Julia Wade and I, who run Watchfire Music, and we 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 looked for somebody who could help us find the way to use Spotify best, and we came across a guy who is just terrific, and 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 he 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 gives lessons <clears throat> on that. His name is uh, Tom Dupree the Third, and if you're looking for ways to uh, Get your music going on. Go to uh, go to. I'm, I'm glad to be able to plug him because he's very brilliant, and uh, he's a guy that can you can really learn a lot about how to get your music up on Spotify. I used to know Lynn Triola in music, who was always getting music on to the radio stations and mm -hmm. everything. Is does that exist anymore? Is there anyone out there who does that, or is that a completely thing of the past? Well, there are some genres of music that still work in radio. Not many, because radio is uh, old, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, so the internet is where it's at. So uh, that's that. You just got to work it, right? Uh, Jenny, going back into the studio, I mean, you, I mean, you were, was it, did it feel any different for you or was it like riding a bicycle? I think I had to get used to it again, mm -hmm. um, get used to how to use the mic, you know, because sometimes if I was doing a note, Peter will say, you know, hit the mic at an angle, not straight on, so I don't get a pop, you know, or if we need to, if we needed to trail a note off, I would start it here or here, the mic's here, I would start about here and then go this way. So there was technique to get back on top of a little bit. You know, so, you know, one or two sessions in, I started to start to feel comfortable in, in the arena again. Uh, Peter has a love where he is, it's a lovely studio and it's just he himself and the artist. 
Um, and so I'm on the other side of where he's sitting. So we're that close to each other. And um, I and I love recording because mm. it's so immediate. I almost mm. know if I've made a mistake in the moment because I hear it. And we can fix it right there or we can redo the take or I'll say to Peter, you know, I didn't sing that note right. And so I love it because it is that present and that immediate and that and so I love it because it's alive and it's right there you know and so it took me a session or two but I don't know how you feel Peter <laughs> but uh, but it was easy to get back into the saddle I went into the studio sometimes concerned um, you I, went into the studio scared to death I went in okay you know what <laughs> I wanted to I didn't want to that's the truth that's the every truth. time I went into the studio <clears throat> I was scared well, you know, scared I'm, to I'm, death. I'm putting together a new show, and I'm I, I'm scared. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. age does funny things to you. Mm. You wonder, am I going to remember the lyrics? Am I going to know? You know, all those things, you know, are are there. Yeah. So, um, do you work in the studio with uh, live musicians, or do you lay down the tracks? Uh, how is that done in the studio? And how long did it take you to record this, uh, the album? Uh, well, the first answer to the we we were probably recorded over the period of about three months, right? Uh, we would rehearse a song on a Monday and come in on on a on a Friday. Uh, she would get the songs maybe two or three weeks in advance. We would figure out which we, our schedule of recording. So uh, I would say she always had two weeks of intense work to do with the song before she recorded it yeah we would uh, she would then come in we would probably do anywhere from eight eight to ten to sometimes 12 takes uh, uh and then i would comp comp everything mm -hmm. uh i am a what's called a sample producer um, the sample technology in the world today is an art form and it's uh, I'm so grateful to have been alive during this time to be able to work with the incredible sample technology that exists. I've actually, in the past 20 years, probably spent a close to a quarter of a million dollars on, on a sample technician library. But in my library, I have every instrument in the world beautifully recorded note by note where I can call up anything I want to in my studio and and people say oh that's electronic music no it is not it is the real instrument playing and the sam so the sample technology that's out there now allows me to do all the work myself so when you listen to Jenny's album I've played all the instruments yeah. right yeah. Uh, but I don't I don't call it playing them I call it programming them because I'm given I'm giving a violin uh, or 18 violin players playing a single note uh, very very lightly uh, or very sforzando and then I can use those notes and build a, a, a perfect violin section or a trumpet section or and also if we felt like we needed a live musician because we, we usually we often worked with um, electric guitarist would you say peter yeah kelly minucci we often use kelly sometimes we'll bring that person in uh, on, on occasion we do 
on this album, did we ever? I don't think we ever did, no, no. Peter, Jenny mentioned earlier, I mean, you're a great teacher, you're a great mentor. Who have been your great teachers and mentors who have brought you uh, to, I mean, do the amazing work that you're doing? Well, I actually mentioned his name already. My, my, the, the person that taught me the most about writing music was Sanford Meisner, because he taught me how to get inside of myself as an actor and understand what makes me tick and, and understand this whole thing about subtext and, and where, it's, where it's at. Um, he was an amazing teacher, and, and uh, I was f so fortunate to not only work with him, uh, I studied at the Neighborhood Playhouse for two years, and, and then I studied in his private classes afterwards with him, and, and uh, he was the best, best teacher, the best mentor I ever had. What made him the best teacher and the best mentor? Well, you know, he was a member of the group theater when the Stanislavski information came back from Russia, and he and Lee Strasberg were the two founding fathers of, of American method acting. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sandy was interesting. Because, well, Lee Strasberg went, and he, Lee Strasberg worked with all the stars, and then Sandy worked with all the actors. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. a great way of looking at it. That's yeah, great. and uh, I, you know, I'm very good friends with Kathleen Nolan. I don't uh -huh. work with Kathleen, but uh, she studied with Sanford Meisner. Yes. Uh, and uh, but I, I remember one night I, I, at the Playhouse, uh, Sandy had asked me to be his assistant director. Uh, he was directing a play uh, with uh, 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 oh gosh, what's her name? Uh, anyway, he was directing a play, and the, 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 he had a whole crowd on stage, and they weren't doing it right. And he got, he got really frustrated. He could really get frustrated by that. And uh, uh, so he walks down the aisle, and there's this old piano sitting over on the side of the street. And he sits down, and he says, all right, everybody, do the scene, but do it to this music. And he played the, he played the piano beautifully. And he played, he improvised the piano, and they did the scene, and it transformed. It was, the scene was brilliant. Uh, the actors just fell into the music, and he said, finished, he shut the piano lid, and he says, okay, do it that way. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I hope I'm not going to put you on the spot, Jenny, uh, by asking this question. Uh, and if I do, you can take the fifth, and, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, now that we have this incredible album, uh, might we see you on stage again soon? Well, Peter and I have talked about the possibility of a late spring, early summer. So that's what's in my head in terms of the gym schedule and the vocal schedule. And also, now I have to learn the songs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, mm -hmm. The songs that, and, and how we would present this album on stage now because it won't be with nine other people, you know? Um, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to doing this body of music and maybe other, God bless you, other songs that we might choose to insert into this, but that's the plan. We would like to go back to Don't Tell Mama because we see it as our home. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so that's the plan right now. And I'm gonna get ready for that plan and if we have to move it, you know, a little bit here or there, you know what? I'm looking forward. Don't pick a date until you to talk. Share, to share, to <laughs> share. 
I want to be there. Yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to just being able to share this album and the songs we've done, the songs that we love. It must have the feel of giving birth when you've got this album ready for the world to receive. And I know that, you know, I, when you and I first connected again, uh, that was a few months ago. I mean, it was more than a few months ago. It was uh, in July, I think. Yes, and it's a, it's a long process to get to this point. How do you both feel at this point? Well, I think I had withdrawal because I'd been out to Summit like 40 times. That's where I live, and that's my studio. Yeah, yeah. Summit, New Jersey, um, and um, and then suddenly I wasn't doing that, you know, for rehearsal or for discussion or for recording. I'm like, whoa! I'm sitting on my couch one day. I'm like, okay, now what? And I called Peter, and I said, Gosh, I'm having withdrawal. But the fact that we got this done, that was that's an amazing feeling because it it was a lot of work and. I have to say it was probably triple or more work for Peter than for me. Because when he is involved. Nah, nah, it's 10 times more work for me. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> I love that. But it is. It's so much more work for him. Yeah, it uh, is. And, uh, and he takes it on and he delivers his part. And so for me, having worked with him all these years, or anybody that I would work with, you step up to. If you're working with somebody good, you need to step up to that as best you can. Well, we talked about your process. I want to talk about the process of elimination. You mentioned there were 70 songs. Um, it, it must feel almost, there must be a little pain involved um, for you, Peter, that I mean, you've come up with these 70 songs. They, some of these songs are not going to make it to this album, uh, but uh, for the fans, there's always the hope that some of those songs will find their way to a, a subsequent CD. Again, I'm putting you both on the spot. So. <laughs> uh, that's that's easy for Jenny to answer. You can answer with one song title, which she bugged me and bugged me to do. And we had we also we we covered more songs on this album than we've ever covered before. I used to always say you can do two covers; the rest of the stuff has to be mine. <laughs> uh, 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 but uh, we we covered uh, Al Jarreau's Boogie Down, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we covered uh, Help Me Out Here, Jenny. Uh, uh, first else? time. The first time, and, and Love's Been Rough on Me. Love's Been Rough on Me, and one came. more. No, it's just those three. No, it was oh, a we covered one. What'll I Do? What'll I Do? Uh, 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 Irving Berlin. Berlin. So when we say old, we really mean old. <laughs> but that's the great thing about Jenny. She she can she can be as funky as uh, I don't know what, and uh, but she can go back and she can do her, an Irving Irving Berlin song and just knock it out of the park. But with regard to the songs that we didn't do, um, they either after a moment didn't fit into what the song title, what the album title was. It didn't serve that yeah. Mm -hmm. um and uh, it was easy for me to let go of a title or an idea i brought to peter if it didn't pan out in our discussions yeah you know in terms of what it meant what do you try to like with with i can't get into it we're talking about domestic violence mm -hmm. and uh we have a result at the end of that song 
that we went to because I watched YouTube after YouTube of women being abused. And it took that for me to go in and do the song, but we chose to, we, we, that stayed among the titles we wanted to, we wanted to have on this album. You know, it really isn't what you cut, it's what reveals itself to you. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so uh, in putting an album together, especially with somebody like Jenny, you can't, you can't have all ballads. <laughs> you got to rock the house. And, and so I would say there may be four or five ballads, and the rest of this is, is pretty aggressive music. Uh, so, and, and then, like you said right at the beginning, I'm so glad to hear you say that there was an arc to the album, because there is. It's, it's not a story, but I, I, I like to think of the word story as the word arc. I think there's a story to everything, right? Uh, even if, it, if you can't quite see it, you can feel it. And uh, uh, I, I also I have this theory that, uh, that a cabaret act should be like a, a baseball lineup. The, the, fir the, first, the first guy up at bat, the first song is fast, and his job is just get on base, right? <laughs> the second, the second batter up ha has has to be fast too, and he has to advance the runner, right? So he wants to get a hit to get the guy under first over to third. The third guy and the fourth guy are Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth. They hit home runs, right? And if you can get the first four songs going like a baseball team. You're going to win the game because then you can go to other things. You can do other things. You can be experimental. Where the where the the uh, parallel ends is in baseball. The pitcher always uh, uh, bats last. Well, no, that's because he's the weakest hitter on the team. The la no, the last song has to kill you. Wow. Too. Yeah. Well, I want to say first of all, congratulations. Uh, this album is just incredible thank you uh, i wanted to let everyone know once again it's jenny burton something old new borrowed blue um and don't worry if you can't write down the address fast enough um it will be on the youtube channel uh, go there the links are there it'll be easy just to go on and download it and and get it for yourself i want to thank you both for being here today um thank you jenny, you know this i am mad about you I have been for 20 years, and when I got that email back in July, and I went, Jenny Burton, where's she been? I was so thrilled that you're back, oh. and thank God the two of you are creating magic again. It's alchemy. It really is magic. Thank you. you thank both you. Um, I'm going to give my final word of the day, and then I'm going to give each of you a chance uh, to say your final word. You can decide who will go first, and then whoever has the final word. I will leave the screen. When you say goodbye, uh, I will just end the show so you don't have to worry about how to end it. Um, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Uh, pick up the phone. Uh, go to your Facebook friends list or your email data list or whatever it is and reach out to the seventh or eighth name that is on the list that you haven't spoken to in a while and pick up the phone and call that person. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. And let that person know the impact that they've made on your life. And by doing so, you're gonna make an impact on their life. 
uh, whether you think so or not, we are all interconnected and we need to hold on to that. And music is the great unifier that brings us all together. I have a dear friend and he says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different sized boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. No. Oh. I'm going to leave the screen, <laughs> and I'm going to have, uh, and uh, it's all yours. And again, you're welcome here any time. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you so much, Richard. I just want to say thank you uh, for this opportunity. I'm grateful to have this music in the world again um, and this opportunity. I feel very blessed, and I hope that it will resonate with those of you that hear the album and like richard said i think we have a stewardship towards each other whether through music or whatever you do in your life to help to reach out to other people because we need it now more than ever and our responsibility is greater and i'm glad that i get to do that through music people ask me uh, what's your favorite song on the album and i think that if you're making a decision of listening to some of the samples that you'll hear on Watchfire Music, um, check out Standing on the Moon. That's a song that I think is, uh, that we found something very special with, both Jenny and I, and uh, if, if, you, if you don't like that song, you probably don't need to buy this album. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a beautiful song and um enjoy. Thank you. See ya. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.